Welcome to Books and Beyond with your host, Alison. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations, and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl, and she works in a... No my haere mai kia welcome to Books and Beyond. This is your host Alison and I'm joined today by the writer Danielle Hawkins. And Danielle is on the line from Otorahunga. Kia ora Danielle. Hi, hi Alison. Lovely to have you with us today. Hey, how's the weather down your way? Is it a bit chilly today? Uh, it is, but it's a gorgeous crystal day. It's, it's beautiful. Oh, those, those autumn days are, are just perfect, aren't they? Yeah. They are. Good on you. Hey, now, um, Danielle has just released her latest book, and it's called Two Shakes of a Lamb's Tail, The Diary of a Country Vet, published by Collins. So congratulations, Danielle. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've, I've read the book and I really loved it. So now, um, Danielle, you're a, a, a country vet, so you work with large and small animals. You're a mother, a farmer, a wife, a family member, a, a gardener, and a best-selling author. And so this book, um, it's a diary through the four seasons of 2020. And uh, boy, what a year that was, wasn't it, with drought and pandemic, etc.? So I wanted to ask you, um, Danielle, this book is quite different to your previous four books, which were best-selling novels, um, and they'd been described as contemporary rural stories. So what gave you the idea to to do a diary? Well, really just just that I was asked to. Um, my, My publisher sent an email saying, hey, you know, do you think do you think you might like to try some non-fiction? That's a that's a good niche in the market at the moment. Um, and so I thought about it for a little while, and then thought, gosh, you know, that'd be that'd be fun and and quite easy writing non-fiction compared to writing fiction because you don't have to try and think about story arcs and plots, which is not my strength. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah, that's so, right. So I got into it. Yeah, yeah, and I guess you're not having to make up who did what to whom and all that sort of thing. It just is what it is, isn't it? Yeah, and because what I really like about your writing, um, and particularly in this this book, it's so witty and warm and observant. And so I was wondering if you were a sort of person who always sees the funny side of any situation. Oh, no, <laughs> not necessarily. I can definitely hold a grudge as well as the next person. All right, but. but but actually, that, that was a, a, a sort of benefit of, of writing this. You do you look for the funny stuff and the nice stuff that happens every day, and of course, the more you look for it, the the more of it you find. So, so right, yeah. Oh, yeah. So an unintended consequence, yeah. And exactly. Um, this book it reminded me a lot of um, Alison Pearson's um, book that was called "I Don't Know How She Does It," um, uh, which is an urban version of 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 your book, but her character doesn't... It was a bit grimmer, though. <laughs> yeah, that's right, I know. Yeah, and I don't think her character does as much as you do, <laughs> anyway. Um, so, but, yeah, and so I'm, oh, I'm glad you've you've read it, because I was going to say, if you hadn't, maybe in your, your spare time, 
Yeah, right. You might want to read it. Um, but <laughs> I, I did read it, but she annoyed me a little bit, that woman. <laughs> she, she made her life so much harder than it had to be. Yeah, actually, that's that's true, isn't it? And I think she's um, courts controversy a little bit too in some of her social media these days. But um, And then, of course, um, others have compared you to the James Herriot books. Um, and I guess, would you have read those when you were growing up? Oh, absolutely. They're, they're, I am a vet. Yeah. <laughs> I love those books. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I'm not, not surprised there. Yeah. And um, when I started uh, reading the book, I was just hooked from the first entry, um, and it was about being at the school bus stop, and it was maternal fashion reached a new low this morning. And I thought, what a brilliant way to start the book. Um, because... Um, I think most women and men, and you know, even country, um, city, city folk, like myself, I think we can all relate to it. You know, um, the pressure that is on on people to do everything and and look immaculate at the same time. Um, you know, I think I'd love to just wear a chief's jersey and trackies and no makeup to do the school drop off. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, you guys have got a good excuse. You know, you're so busy doing others other stuff um and absolutely yeah and because as they say motherhood is messy isn't it and um but um no it was a, a brilliant way to start the book and then um also I was going to ask you a bit about um one incident with a capital I that you talk about it's towards the end of the book and you said we had an incident at work this morning and it was about the the little cat that that the plastic tube in half and then inhaled it as you were trying to extubate it. And I thought, oh, my God, talk about better work stories. And yes, that was appalling. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that that poor cat lived. She did, thank goodness. Yes, oh, thank goodness yeah, for certainly, that. Certainly not to my visionary, due to my visionary skills. <laughs> it was pure fluke. <laughs> and all those ways that you tried to... Um, think about how to retrieve the, the tube I was half expecting that you were going to use the number 8 wire um, but I was going to say I was going to ask would this sort of incident be typical of working as a country vet well, well in some ways how you deal with it I mean like sometimes you've just got to use what you've got I, I don't think that's a country thing. I, I have a feeling that that's, that's an any doctor, vet, dentist slash, you know, anyone who works with biological things that, that don't always behave like they're supposed to. Oh, right. Anyway, yeah. Things, things, things just go wrong sometimes. I guess that's true. And, you know, as they say, animals and children particularly. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, that's a, a small animal that you were dealing with. And then as when you're a, a large animal vet, um, too, that's, um, a, you know, really sort of challenging role. Because how many people are likely to get kicked in the head as they're attempting to castrate their patient? <laughs> you know, I've... Um, <laughs> and um, you've got to be... You must have to be so fit and strong. And so I was wondering if... You know, if you're trying to do a, an intimate examination on something like a, a bull, do do you always have people around that can help you? Um, almost always. Yes, you almost always have a farmer to help, so so that's really good. Um, and people tend to have pretty good facilities. Um, most of the most of the absolute like totally turning to custard stories are on lifestyle books where they don't have any facilities, oh. and then everything just becomes a circus. Right. But, yeah, but if you've got good yards, 
you know, you can do pretty much anything. Right. Oh, that would make sense. And I guess the, the lifestyle blocks, often those people wouldn't have as as much experience anyway and, um, you know, the actual farmers themselves. So Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it's a bit of a double whammy. They, they don't, don't have a good setup and, and yes. I can see why. If you've only got one steer, it's expensive to build a lot of stuff and, and, and then you don't know what to do with it and <laughs> where to stand and... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I can see it going horribly wrong. Um, and of course, when you're, um, you know, if you're lying in the mud and trying to deliver something out of a cow or insert something into an animal, that it's not like there's it's a sterile and working environment, is it? Um, you know, if you're lying, you know, with all that mud and. But I. That's I, right. But cows are cows are amazing. Cows can cows can handle anything. Really? Horses and people, we, we die at the drop of a hat, but cows are, cows are awesome. Oh, really? Oh, see, I didn't know that. That's, it's fascinating. There's so much that we up here in the, in the city, we don't know these things. But, um, yeah, cows are pretty awesome animals, aren't they? But, um, yeah, and so it's almost like you work in two worlds. So you've got your clinic work and your paddock work and that, you know, quite different places, I guess. Yes, yeah, although although a lot of our of our clients are, are, are rural people, so so you don't tend to have quite so much of the of the sort of inner city expectations, which is a slightly oh, yes. different story. Yes, I um, think I know a little bit about those too. <laughs> yeah, and um, speaking of cities, um, the books kind of really does describe that bit of disconnect between urban and rural folks and it was so funny when your friend came over from inner city Sydney and she said something about oh I really envy your life it's so peaceful and stress-free you know and um talk about not reading the room uh, you know because <laughs> I remember that for all my life I, I remember it when I was a little girl you know and people would would come down because mum and dad had quite a lot of friends who lived in Hamilton and Auckland yeah. and you know they would stand and look out over the lawn and go oh dude we got up at five o'clock so that we'd be in for lunch you know? yes oh dear yeah <laughs> yeah and because I wonder if um perhaps city folk don't really even realize just how hard rural folk work oh I, I, I don't ever mean to imply that that you you necessarily work harder or you're more worthy if you live in the country. I know that heaps of people in the city have ridiculous working days and have, mm. you know, commutes and stuff all, all added on. I, I I just, rather than wanting to, I just wanted to explain what it was like, not not to not to imply that it was any better or harder or anything like that than anyone else's. Right. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I know what you mean. It's and it's just diff- it's different, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's exactly. It's not. It's not that it's more noble or you're an inherently better person or anything. It's just a different life. Different. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I can. Yeah. I get where you're coming from, but some of it that um, particular incident reminded me a bit of a Tui ad. You know, like oh, you must be able to pet fluffy lambs all day. You know, what a, a great life sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, and um, you know, I was thinking about kids too. That and perhaps a bit more on that that subject of how we are life is different in the city um, as opposed to the country. Because 
you know, sometimes I wonder these days if city, if a lot of city kids even really know where our food comes from. But, um, and I, I was comparing that to your kids. They get such a good view of the world. Like, they, um, there's no mystery, really, eh? They know how species reproduce or and where the food comes from. Um, I kind of wonder if you'd, if you'd ever want to live anywhere else. Oh, no, no, of course not. And I, and I do think it's nice to have a... You no, know, to just understand stuff like that, and things die, and it, and it's it's sad, but it's not horrific. It's it's sad, and it's just part of life. And yeah, yeah, and I suppose yeah, part of the the modern world, isn't it? Yeah, and um, oh look, I'm I loved you know when we're talking about kids, actually, when you were trying to organise visits to and from the kids' friends during the. The school holidays, um, and you know, yeah, I'm sure that that's the same everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it, that would. Be, I'm sure that would be. But you just described it so well, and all those combinations and permutations of families, and you know, who's got a best friend and a second best friend. And I was thinking, you almost need a PhD in calculus to make that actually work. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so that was hilarious. But I mean, I think everyone will will relate. To that, and um, but um, I'm sure you know with the farming life, you you really do get um, good at logistics. Uh, yeah, um, but no, that was hilarious, and um, you know with the rural life, and you've got um, you know neighbours and your network. I was thinking that r- the rural support network that that you um, describe in your book, um, that must be invaluable to you. Um, the way, um, you know, that people are there to often assist with kids, stock, pets, yeah. tractors. Oh, it, it, it is. I, yeah, I, I don't take that for granted. We've got such lovely neighbours and, and, you know, we've got my mum and dad just down the road, which yeah. is awesome. The kids can just bike on down and visit and... Yeah, it's amazing. That's fantastic, isn't it? And um, in the in the book, um, you even set up a, um, some blind dates with an unattached farmer. So um, that's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, bit, that bit wasn't strictly true. <laughs> yeah, I wondered if um, that might have been a bit of poetic licence, but, I mean, I could see it happening. And it's, um, Absolutely. It was a case of sort of adapting things that, had happened years ago and, and yes. tossing them in. <laughs> yeah, and you could sort of see them happening again, you know. Yeah. And um, in the book, you do touch um, a little bit on your illness and, and recovery, which you'd been through just before the book started. And I'm just thinking, um, have, having an illness, like that, that must have added so much to the complexity of your life. It- it did, in hindsight. It's funny. I, I'm sure everyone finds it the same. Something that was a, a cancer diagnosis, and you sort of get pitchforked right into chemo and doctor's appointments, yeah. and, you know. But and it, and it all changes. But you just cope with it, and and we we did just cope with it. It wasn't until probably a year later, when everything was normal again, that. Um, yeah, all of a sudden we noticed, oh, well, this is this is way better, and we're not nearly so stressed. And, right. Yeah. And but I, at, the, at the time, we didn't we didn't feel, you know, like like we were, think, you know, drowning or anything like that. You just sort of did it. I guess you do, don't you? And you just um, put one foot 
in front of the other. And, yeah, I guess that's exactly. the only option, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, people tend to say, oh, you're, you're, very, you're very brave. You hear that a lot when people mm. are like, oh, they're so brave. And it's so, well, well, you're not because you didn't choose it. <laughs> you're just coping. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's great, it's great to cope, but I always feel that that's the, not the right word to, to describe it. Yes. Yeah, but I think people do tend to describe think and brave and courage and all that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear what you're saying with that. And um, but it was it was nice to have that um, in the book because so much of the book is absolutely hilarious. But it, you do include some touching stories and and scary and heartbreaking ones too. So um, yeah, it it really rounds out the book beautifully. Um, but now, oh, I've got to ask you about the literary festivals um, and that, um, so this is sort of absurd and hilarious, but that contract that you had to sign um, at one of your literary festivals and um, and I think you said it was pages long and it told you what you weren't allowed to do on stage. So you weren't, weren't allowed to turn up drunk, use weapons, set fires, deface property... Or disrespect yourself on stage. <laughs> I know. Was, oh, it irritated me so much. Did it? Oh, it's so bureaucratic. What a waste of everyone's time. Yeah, because um, it, oh. it was hilarious. And it made me think, I, so it must be that someone has actually done some of those things before at a writer's festival. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe. Yes. Or perhaps they just hired a very expensive consultant to, you know, cover all risks who, who thought that Probably. that would be a good way of justifying their salary. I'm not yes. sure. Yes, yeah. Oh, but it was just um, absurd, wasn't it? But, you know, surely it should... That festival got cancelled, so I'm going this year. I'm not sure if they'll still want me now. Oh, right. <laughs> Yes. Oh, goodness. Maybe I, they... I, might, I might receive a brisk note. Yes. <laughs> Don't bother. Don't bother. Maybe they run, ran out of paper or something, printing out all the contracts. Yeah. Oh, that was hilarious, though. Um, you know, I've noticed that, you know, you do you send yourself up and you send others or, you know, the festivals and the bureaucracy up so well. Um, I think I'm allowed to say, um, call it taking the piss. I'm allowed to say that on the radio, but... Um, by doing so, you really make some really valid points about modern life, I guess. You know, almost um, how complicated we can make things. And and I guess, yes. yeah, as you say, yes. like um, hiring consultants, perhaps that's not the the best way of, of going about things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, it is. That is one sort of major benefit of writing a book. You get to to put in all your own little axes to grind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's true. Yes, there's probably a lot of people would like to do the same thing. But I, I find, um, I think you're a really gifted storyteller and um, I wondered if storytelling was part of your life when you were growing up. Um, well, reading certainly was. Um, I, I don't think we're, we're a particularly, you know, oral storytelling sort of a family, but, um, but yeah, we're but you certainly were, read avidly. Yes, you were readers. Yeah. Yeah. And because I, I was kind of wondering if there'd been stories um, from the land, because your family have, have been on that land for generations, haven't they? Mm. And um, yes. And doing the, the native planting as well. So I guess there's been 
some stories to tell about that. Yes, yeah. Yeah, but I, I suppose it just becomes part of the, the fabric of your life, really, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, we do. We, there are sort of certain family stories, the one about Grandpa and the, and the flamethrower and things like that. But, right. You know, little, little legends, but... Yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it's really... Um, Interesting, having having been on the that piece of land for so long, that's um, quite a special, quite a special thing. And I, I guess you probably feel it, it is, yeah, yeah, quite quite attached to that land. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah, um, yes, and I, I still sort of pinch myself that I get to live here because you know I loved it growing up, but I I knew I didn't want to be a farmer myself and. And so I always thought, well, I'll, I'll have to leave and, you know, go somewhere else and maybe marry somebody in town or whatever. And then, and then to a marry a farmer and b be able to import him. It's like, whoa, yeah, that's yes. amazing. That's really good luck. Yeah. Oh, that's that is that's so good, isn't it? Yeah. It's wonderful how things can sometimes work out like that. So yeah, and you know how you were saying that you did you were a reader growing up. Did you always want to write? Um, not not really. I I well I I know I always enjoyed writing little stories but I never thought of making it a career. Um <laughs> I think mm-hmm. my my dad in particular is very sciencey and we were brought up that, that science was, was real and, and sort of Arts stuff was that was that was play. So. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't you don't make a career out of it. You just do it for fun. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of um, people would relate to to that sort of parental advice that we were given. Yeah. Um, well, I think it was the right advice. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm very pleased to, that I'm a scientist and that pays my wages, and then the writing's a nice extra hobby. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, it's um, it is a good way to do things, isn't it? Um, now, one of your characters, I was going to ask you about um, your book, oh, I've just been reading it, The the Pretty Delicious Cafe. I really loved that one. And one of your characters, um, it's the sister called Leah in it, and she's described as never letting the truth get in the way of a good story. Um, it's funny, some people say that about me, which, and I think that's not true, but um, do you, I just wondered if you think that a, a good memoirist, um, especially a, a witty one like you, um, I was wondering if, if people use this technique somewhat, um, do, do uh, would you embellish yeah. things? Absolutely, yes, always, uh, always to, to, to make them a little bit, a little bit funnier or... Um, or, and of, of course, to portray yourself in a slightly better light than you probably, yeah. <laughs> probably actually were in real life. Yeah, oh, yes, no. I'm, I'm sure everybody does it, but I certainly do. Yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I, I mean, I think it is. It's a good technique, isn't it? And and it means that it adds can add a bit more drama or a bit more sort of humour. Well, that, that's right. The problem is that most people are very nice, which is great. That's a really nice way to live, but it's not particularly interesting if every character is absolutely delightful. So you, you just you just have to put in a few nasty ones here and there. Yeah, I guess. It's so much yeah. more satisfying. Yeah. And um, I think I was saying that to another author, actually. Yeah, and if you've, the place you're living is perfect and the sun's always shining and there's plenty of water and all that sort of thing, it, yeah, the... 
um, the story's probably not as interesting, is it? No, no, that's right. Apart from making everybody feel a bit sick. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but look, we do live in a pretty amazing place, and um, I'd noticed that your books have been translated into German, and so it sounds as though you you must have quite a fan base amongst the German people. Well, well they they didn't want the last couple, so it can't be that big a fan oh, really? base. Oh, whoop, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, oh, I. I well, presumably they didn't sell on its hundreds of millions, but but also they've had a bit of a law change over there where they they pay the translations differently and rather more than they used to. So so they they're not translating so many so oh. many things from English as they used to. Oh um, goodness, yes. Oh, it's always the money that gets in the way of these things, isn't it? Because I'd been um, thinking about this and I um, had wondered what was it about. Or what, if you had any ideas why a rural New Zealand novel would be attractive to the German reader? Well, some somebody did tell me once, and I can't even remember who it was, but, but you know how we perhaps like books about women who go to the south of France and buy a run-down vineyard? Oh, well, the yes. The German version of that was the New Zealand farm. That's a, yeah, that's a sort of a, a nice daydream for, for them. Right. But, I can sort of see that, and you know, because we have when we had tourists in the country, there you'd often see Germ- lots of German tourists, wouldn't you? So, I guess we are a um, an interesting place for them to visit, and I, I guess also to read about. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Interesting. Hey, um, now I have to ask this. I'm sure people probably ask you this all the time, but how do you fit your writing into your your day? Because it's like every day you've got a million things to do. Um, well, I'm, actually, I'm not doing terribly well at that at the moment. I'm only writing very slowly, but but early in the morning is the is the time. Um, yeah, so I, so I, I get up early and do an hour, an hour and a half before everyone else gets up. Right. Oh, that's that sounds as though that could be a, a good good time when there's a, a bit of peace, peace and quiet. Yeah. I guess. I'm yeah. a, I'm a I'm a sort of early bird rather than a night owl sort of a person. But and my brain is by far at its best. Not that its best is that great, but mm. <laughs> the best it gets is first thing in the morning. Yeah. Do you think is that quite? Um, would that be quite common amongst farmers that um, you become an early bird? Oh, I don't yes. know. I, I know I know lots of dairy farmers who get up at half past four very, very unhappily. Oh, right. <laughs> I, I think it might be more just the way you're born and then you sort of impose your lifestyle over the top of it. Right, yeah. Oh, cool. And um, I'm just wondering if you're, if you're planning to keep on writing. Yes. That is um, always that's fun. Yes. Oh, th- great. Yeah. Oh, I'm so pleased because we'll be looking forward to seeing what what comes out next. Do you think you you would continue along the lines of that? You know, they do call yours uh, rural romance, don't they? Um, do, are you sort of thinking of more of those, if if you're allowed to say, of course. Um. Oh, oh yes, absolutely. No, I, I haven't. I'm, I haven't got a, a contract or anything. Um, I do. I do like books where everything ends happily. Like, I think that's, yeah. just, that's, that's just what I, I think I would always want to write. But on the other hand, 
I do kind of feel like I might have told all of the stories about girls a bit like me who live in places a bit like where I live. (laughs) There's there's only so many possible storylines and I might have told them all. (laughs) Right, yeah. So you might be looking for another angle or something. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of trying my hand at... um, fantasy fairy tale type of a thing at the moment. Right, yeah. And because um, had you, were you saying in one interview or somewhere I read about you um, that you really like Philip Pullman? Yes, yeah, I do. I, I think he's wonderful. Yeah, yes. Um, I, I would love to write something like that, but I don't think I'm clever enough. Never mind, I will mm. keep trying. Yeah, keep, yes. Oh, look, we can't wait to see what, what happens next. Now, if if we've got any budding authors out there listening, um, what what advice would you you give them? Oh, just keep practicing. It, it takes it takes a long time to get good at writing. So so you know when you write your your great novel idea, it probably won't be very good. And that but that's okay. That doesn't mean that it won't that you won't get there. But yeah, right. I, I think it's surprising how much practice you've got to do before before it starts coming out sounding a little bit polished and professional. Right, yeah, oh that's really good advice and I'm pretty sure others would, would say similar things. Well look Daniel, this has just been wonderful talking to you today. Um, so f- to our listeners, I've been speaking with um, author Danielle Hawkins about her new book, Two Shakes of a Lamb's Tale, The Diary of a Country Vet. It's so warm and witty. And look, I really highly recommend that people buy a copy or two from their local bookstore, um, particularly with Mother's Day coming up. It'd be a really great one to buy for all the mums in your life. And I'm planning to do that for my mum. Hope she's not listening. Um, now, thank you so much for your time today, Danielle, and all the very best for this book. Oh, thanks so much, Alison. See you later. Bye for now.